going into our new series today, we're going to be turning to Isaiah 54 and then over to, uh, actually, I'll read a few verses we read last week, but Isaiah 54, Galatians 4, 2 Corinthians 10, and Exodus 3. But first, let me introduce a visiting guest that is not really uh, new, but old guest. And uh, I just want to, to meet Sarah Surface, if you don't know her. Sarah, stand up. She's from... She comes from Victory Faith over in Spokane, and uh, several years ago, uh, they were trying to get uh, some of the interns to come and stay with people, and we took Sarah in for a month, and she was really glad to leave after that month. (laughs) Okay, we started a new series last week called Tent Pegs, Making Room for More of God, and we said once a church is started, uh, like we were 12 years ago, And once a person becomes a Christian, uh, you and I were meant to grow, to enlarge, to expand, so we can extend God's kingdom in Grace Harbor and beyond. So, before we go any further, let's lift our Bibles, smartphones, iPads, whatever you have your Bible on, and say this prayer declaration with me. Say this with me. This is my Bible. God's holy word. This book is alive and is powerful. I read other books, but this is the only book that reads me. There are many opinions, but this is the only opinion that counts. Today, I declare by faith, I can do all it says I can do. I can be all it says I can be, and I can have all it says I can have. Today, I ask the Lord Jesus, the living word, to take his written word and personalize it for my life so I can leave here changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, here's the big idea for the next few weeks. This is not on your notes. You might want to write it down somewhere. We need to prepare now for what God has prepared us for. Let me say that again. We need to prepare now for what God has prepared us for. In Ephesians uh, 2.10, this is what it says. We are, for we are God's handiwork, his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So before you uh, were born, God already prepared what he wanted you to do as, as you live out your life. So God prepares things in advance. He prepares ministries. He prepares adventures. He prepares, prepares treasures, supernatural exploits in advance. Then he invites us to step into that call, that plan, and uh, do what he's prepared for us to do. We see throughout history where God prepared, uh, God's people prepared themselves uh, for, for supernatural exploits throughout the word of God. Preparation is a key principle for God using us uh, in our lives and in the Bible. So Russell Wilson, the famous theologian, used to say, the separation is in the preparation. And that's true of people of God and uh, people used in the Bible. And we gave some examples last week. I'll kind of repeat them for you to get you kind of in that thought process. Joseph prepared for the coming famine, famine of Egypt and God's supernatural power showed up and saved people and nations. Noah prepared an ark for the coming flood. And we're here today because 
Noah did what he was supposed to do. David prepared to defeat a giant and to become a future king, and God used him to do miracles in uh, both positions. Nehemiah built a wall in Jerusalem, preparing for the exiles of Babylon to, uh, to uh, come, come home. Uh, 120 followers of Jesus prepared for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2. And because of their preparation, the church was birthed. And Jesus has gone to prepare a place for you and me. Now, all of that, uh, as we think about this, every one of those folks were making room for more of God in their lives so God could accomplish the work he prepared for them to do. And Jesus is wanting and desiring it for us to make more room for him in our lives because he has some things to do through you individually and us corporately that you haven't even thought of yet. So here's our theme, and I think this is on your notes. God has more for us than we can imagine or ask uh, ask for, and when we make room for the more of God, he fills the space. We, we just need to know there are things that are crowding out the things of God, but as we let God deal with that and move them out, it makes more room for him. Look at this verse, or these verses, Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, we said last week, uh, I gave you a few highlights of what God's doing and how he's preparing us for enlargement since January, at the end of January 2019. I want you to get this again and get it in your spirit. We paid off a $220,000 loan at Timberland Bank and became debt-free. God does not make you debt-free so you can go around and brag to everybody what a great steward you are. God gives you debt-freeness so you can give more away. So we hired a new receptionist, Rachel Duckworth. We hired a new worship assistant, uh, Garrison Duckworth. We hired new youth pastors, Cameron and Jennifer Luft. And we hired new youth, our new children's directors, Matt and Becca Wharton. And aren't you glad for these married couples that are serving together? So we believe God is calling us to expand our services from uh, two services to three services sometime in the fall 2020. How many think that's a great idea? Me too, which means we need all of you to serve where God's called you to serve. In the future, we will start new campuses and enlarge our boundaries beyond Grace Harbor. I also believe God wants us to start a Champions Club, which I told you about last week, uh, for special needs children in the future, which takes uh, people who are willing to lay down their lives for children who have disabilities so they can know that Jesus loves them. And we also talked about a prison campus in the future. And I had one of our own that I met with this last week. And I found out he's been going to the prison to preach once a month for the last couple of years. And we'll let that have a team go with him. So is uh, Joel here? Joel Chucks, where are you? Are you here? Joel Chucks. Second service. <laughs> okay, well, you, you guys need to know this about Joel and Jennifer. Joel 
uh, has a, his own church called Saving the Nations just down the street over here. But they call Harbor City Church their church. And they meet at 3 o'clock, I think, or 4 o'clock in the afternoons on Sundays. But they come here every Sunday. This, uh, so between services, Joel will be out there. If you want to be on a prison team, learn to go to the prison and, and serve. And eventually we'll call it a, a prison campus. You'll want to be on his team, all right? So go out there and you'll see Joel. He's a Nigerian. You can't miss him, okay? All right, he's a great guy. So uh, I want you to be part of that. Now, uh, everything God's called us to do will take more servant leaders, more resources to accomplish God's call in this place. What God is doing is stretching us to extend our borders, and that means our faith, our finances, our leadership giftings, which is not just about a few, but it's about everybody that calls Harbor City Church their home church. So when I say God is stretching us, what am I doing? Who am I talking to? Yeah, don't point at the person next to you. You, that's right. When everyone makes more room for God, there's an exponential outpouring of God's supernatural things on our lives. So last week I asked this question. Do you ever have this gnawing thought that, that God might have created you for more than you're living for right now? Have you ever had this, this gnawing feeling that you, you might be missing the full potential that God has created you for? I think all of us know there's more than what we're living for at the moment. And God's calling us to a new level, a higher level, uh, uh, perhaps that we've never been to before, and perhaps that some of you aren't tapping into at all. There's more for people who will lift up their eyes and see the harvest in the north, the east, the west, and the south. I'm telling you, the fields are white on the harvest, and they're just waiting for you uh, to come and tell them. So there's more for people who will get close to God, lean in, and listen to his voice. Some of you have settled for yesterday's failures. It's marked your life, and it's a tattoo on your spirit. It's kept you from enlarging your borders. You need to know the great thing about the Christian life is this, that there's forgiveness from yesterday's failures. There's forgiveness. There's restoration. Didn't you love to hear Desiree's testimony this morning? 23 days clean. She wants to go after God. And, and I want you to know I'm proof of that. God has restored my life from yesterday's failures. Some of you are living in yesterday's victories. But we want, don't want to be a church that just tells our children about yesterday's victories. We want to tell them about what God's doing right now. And the best thing to tell them is about the miracles that God's doing through your life right now. And I thank God for all the victories he's given us. But Paul the Apostle said this, I'm forgetting all that is behind me, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and I'm pressing toward the mark of the high calling of God on my life because there's a greater prize ahead of me, and I have fixed my eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. So here's my prayer for all of us. Lord, help us to not waste our lives on things that are not precious. Help us not to waste our lives on temporal things, things that don't matter, but Lord, I pray that you will come and help us to fulfill the purpose for which you made us for. Amen. I'm convinced that if all of us together would fully surrender our lives to God and tell him, Lord, 
I want more of you. And Lord, we want more of you. I believe that God would use us to change the spiritual atmosphere of this region. Do you believe that with me? Come on. So uh, here's our key verse over the next few weeks. Isaiah 54, 1 through 4. Sing, barren woman, you who never bore a child. Burst into song, shout for joy, you who were never in labor. Isn't that a great way to bear children? (laughs) Because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Then it goes on to say, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your uh, tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left, and your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Now, this word was given. It was a word given to the nation of Israel in 700 B.C., and it was given uh, to, the, to the children of Israel when they were in captivity in Babylon. And some of you might be thinking, well, what, what does that have to do with us today? I mean, is this really theologically sound? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Actually, this prophecy was not given just to Israel, but God, through the Holy Spirit, was giving us a much bigger picture as a church. See, prophecy in Scripture is not only for, uh, current, uh, for past application, but it's for current application. So in many cases, cases, a future application is given through prophecy so that when you're reading it in the Old Testament, all of a sudden it comes alive to you today. So when the Spirit of the Lord came on Isaiah and he began to prophesy over Israel, in this case, he was also prophesying over spiritual Israel, which is the church which is made up of people from every tongue, every tribe, every nation. The church that Jesus is building should not care about color or background or ethnicity. Uh, But Paul the Apostle is talking about all the non-Jews, the Gentiles, which are people like you and me, and he's talking about their spiritual inheritance, and he does it in Galatians 4. So if you're up for a little, I think I told you this last week, read Galatians 4, read Isaiah 54, see how they tie together. But here's what he's saying. He's saying, I want you, in in, uh, Galatians 4, I want you who are barren to sing because there are some kids coming. Man, I want you to, 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 uh, I want those of you who who have not seen fruitfulness to sing because you're going to come into a season of fruitfulness. There are kids playing in fields. We were talking about this yesterday. Kids playing in fields with soccer, football, baseball. They're out there, and they're crying to know Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, it's not unspiritual to go to a soccer game with your kids. Just have in mind, there's a field out there, and there's kids that need to come to know Christ. So Paul is prophesying to Gentiles a 700-year-old prophecy, which means he's prophesying to the New Testament church, and what God is saying through Paul is that Isaiah 54 is for us today. Now, this is what he concludes with in Galatians 4, verse 28. Now you, my friends, are children of the promise like Isaac. So this blessing went from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to the 12 tribes of Israel down to the New Testament church on the day of Pentecost 
to Jerusalem, to Samaria, to Judea. Then it went to Greece, to Rome, across the pond, to Britain, across the Atlantic Ocean, to America. And now it ended up in Little Grace Harbor, where you and I are, to be able to receive a prophecy thousands of years later because God's telling you, Harbor City Church, you're chosen heirs of the Most High God. You're chosen heirs of his righteousness. You're chosen sons and daughters of this covenant with God. And God wants us to know we are part of something much bigger than just Grace Harbor. And it's not because what you've done or haven't done or your religious pedigree or educational degree, but it's only because you've been born into the right family. See, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, make him Lord of your life, you step into an inheritance far beyond what you can imagine, uh, what, what, what you can imagine God to do in your life. And our God wants to do some big things through your life. So most of us, if not all of us, we think too small. Now, I, I brought my little illustration here because some people think this was really dumb. But... I found out this week that this lights up. And inside, there's a guy all by himself with a little lantern. And, and the point is, we think too small. We, we, we like our little tent and our little fire and our little canoe and our little lake, and we're just happy to be there for the rest of our lives. And what this represents is comfort. It represents routine. And so let me ask you this question. What are the limitations you've put on your life? What are the boundaries that you have put on your life? What is the scope and the capacity that you have set for your influence? Many of us live in a place where others have set boundaries for us or our failure or failures have set the boundaries for us. Let me tell you this. When I went through the hardest time of my life, I thought, this is what I really thought. I don't really touch anybody's life, just the few people in my church. But after I got on the front page of the paper, I realized I touched thousands of people's lives and more than I thought I did because, and then I overestimated myself because I thought everybody had read the paper and I found out hardly anybody reads the paper. <laughs> but what I'm saying is I underestimated my influence and then once I realized I had more influence, I didn't want that kind of influence. But God uses your failures. You need to know that. He uses your mistakes. He uses what the enemy tries to use against you. And God has come to say to you today, you quit living in the past. You quit living in your failures. You quit living in the labels that people have put on your life. And he's saying to you and me today, he's saying, I've come to set the new boundaries for your life, new parameters, a new blueprint for your life. I've come today to help you so you can just say, listen, I'm not going to settle for this anymore. I'm going to let God enlarge my life. I want to do more for God. Now, here's a key. When Paul is talking to the church in Corinth about this and, and your influence and your limitations and all that, he, he uses a Greek word that's worth looking at because he's talking about the scope of your ministry and the footprint of your ministry uh, and, and your life and parameters and influence. He says in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 10, 12, he says this, for we dare not class ourselves 
or compare ourselves with those who command themselves or commend themselves. But they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. Let me just say this. How many know we live in a, a culture of comparison? And uh, I, I, I just want you to know that all you have to do is check social media, Instagram, Facebook, uh, all the programs on TV. They're all about comparison. And, and God's telling us, I have not called you to set the boundaries of your life by comparing yourself with your peers. And it goes on in the church as well all the time. Uh, pastor friends of mine, as well as me, are looking at all these other guys. I was telling Lois on the way over here. I, I just don't see, I know I'm not that great of a speaker. I'm just glad you guys show up. I don't know why, but I'm glad. And I'm thankful that God's given us the opportunity. But I just don't think I'm that smart. I don't think I'm that good of a speaker, which is a good place to be. In other words, don't think more highly of yourself. Thank God that he's given you what he's given you. And I'm telling us, telling you today, don't get caught in the comparison trap because it will result in pride or depression, which neither one is a win, all right? So here's what Paul said about the scope that he has for our lives, 2 Corinthians 10, 13. When we, or we, however, will not boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere which God appointed us. Now, all three words, uh, uh, now three of these words, measure, limits, and sphere are the same word in the Greek. And here's what you can write down. Here's what I'm going to give you. It's the word metron. And, and it means a measured boundary, a potential inheritance. I want you to hear that. A potential inheritance. In other words, you, you, you have an inheritance, but how many know you have to possess your inheritance, all right? So it's not just a, a given, a capacity, the limits that God has set. Now let me read verse 13 again with this word in mind. We, however, will not boast beyond our metron, but within our metron of the metron which God appointed for us. So today this verse is true of us as a body of believers, and it's true of every one of us as individuals. God has set some boundaries for us as a local church and for you as a believer uh, that he's called us to live in. But here I want you to understand this. But these limitations are not small because our God has no limitations. He's an unlimited God. So I think most of us are shooting too low for what God has prepared us for, and I think there's more for everyone in here. I think there's more faith available in here. I think there's more healing miracles in this place. I think there's more financial miracles. I think there's more victories over demonic powers assigned to Grace Harbor and that, that we've not tapped into. I, I remember when I used to play golf with Pastor Wendell, and I would hit a bad shot, and he would say this to me, come on, Doug, come on. There's more in you than that. You've got some good shots here. Let me see one of them. And it felt like... <laughs> I thought, well, if they're there, I should not find them. But anyway, but I felt like what he was really saying is it wasn't about my golf game. He was, it was like he was prophesying into my life, not, not into my golf game, but into my circumstances. And he was saying, don't put a limit on your life, Doug, but follow after God's fear for your life. Sometimes we need someone to come to us, look us straight into the eyes of our heart and say, 
You've got more in you than that. You've got a better shot than that. You can do more than that. Come on, God has more for you. There's more in everything you're living for right now. You have more potential. You have a larger capacity. You, you have a larger footprint. You have greater influence. Paul was saying, we're going to boast or have our identity in this, the parameter or the capacity that God has set for my life. So what happens to many of us is we, uh, we're living way too small, all right? Now, I uh, want to take some time le- that I have left, which is not much, and there's a, there's a guy in the Bible that spent some time in a tent. He's kind of a nomadic shepherd. He was used to setting up and taking down a tent. But one day, God called him to be stretched and enlarge his capacity like he'd never been stretched before because God had prepared some things ahead of him in advance to do with his life. But he needed enlargement to take place so God could do these tasks through his life. Now, the problem for this guy is when God called him to be enlarged and stretched, he put his heels down. You know what I'm talking about? You just, you can pull on me all you want. And he said, really, he said this, I don't think so, God. I'm going to stay right here. I like this place. Well, I don't really like it, but I'm scared to death to move from it. So I'll just take this this security. And he did it because he had some tent pegs driven in the ground of his temporary existence. So he thought, now listen, I want you to hear this. He thought his temporary existence was his permanent capacity. You might want to write that one down. He thought his temporary existence was his permanent capacity. He, he thought the stage that, uh, that he was in would be that way forever. And God said, it's time to grow. It's time to take new ground. How many know how long Moses was in the wilderness? 40 years. He went there when he was 40. He got out when he was 80. He made some mistakes, lost his temper over injustices that he saw going on, took matters into his own hands, killed an Egyptian, and then he ran away. And his thought process went something like this. I still believe in God, but I've made too many mistakes for you to use me other than just be married, have some kids, and hold down a sheep job. And then God shows up and says, well, just so you know, Mo, I haven't forgotten you. You've been hiding long enough. It's time to step into your calling and your ministry, the ministry that I have for you, that I planned way in advance for you. And by the way, I'm going to have to enlarge and stretch you, and I'm going to put in some discomfort. I'm going to, I'm going to call you uh, from, from, from feeling so secure to feeling insecure, but you're going to have to learn. Listen, enlargement is all about trusting God. Whenever he speaks to your life, you do it or you don't do it. And the reason you don't do it is because you don't think God will come through. And then you need to know the reason God came to, and you all know I'm talking about Moses, I hope. The reason God came to Moses to enlarge his uh, metron, his boundaries and his capacity, was not so he could be famous, was not so he could be wealthy, was not so he could be a big shot in the Bible. It was because his motive was people. 
See, we need to get this. God wants to stretch you and enlarge you. He wants to change our metrons or enlarge our metrons because it's not about us. It's about people that are in the world that are broken and hurting and need someone to come and tell them there's a Savior that, that, that uh, can save you because he saved me. See, I've come to realize if I will allow God to stretch me and I will let him pull up my uh, tent pegs, uh, he will enlarge my capacity and there's always more people on the other side of it, always, if you'll let him do it. So what seemed like a trial or a test was about millions of people. God comes to Moses and this is what he says in Exodus 3, 7 through 10. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people. I'm surprised he didn't say, and I've seen your misery too, Mo, but he didn't. He said, I've seen the misery of my people. I've heard them crying out, and I'm concerned about them. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land into, listen, into a good and spacious land. That's what God wants to do for every one of us, and he wants us to lead other people into a spacious land instead of a little tiny tent that, that doesn't seem to be able to be enlarged. Our God is all about freeing people from small-mindedness, from living, uh, from safe living, from uh, small vision, and expanding into a, a spacious place. So he will use a leader, he will use a believer, he will use a father and a mother to go uh, first and be stretched so that they can make a place for others to live in in a spacious place. So, someone's going to look at your life and see or hear about your testimony, and there's what they're going to say. If God can do that through them, he can do it for me. Someone's going to look at you getting baptized over there, and they're going to say, if she can do that, I can do that. If she can go public with her faith, I guess I can too. Someone's going to look at your generosity and say, I can do that. Someone's going to look at your serving at your serving in our city kids and say, if she or he or she can do that, I guess I could do that. See, God comes to enlarge every one of us so others around you who are in the world will want to get out of their little, cramped, oppressed, little, tiny space. Four keys. Here you go. Number one. Come close to God or come close to the fire of God and listen. Do you know anyone who's not a good listener? <laughs> my wife would just point at me right now. She, has to, she tries so hard to get my attention. But I, 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 I'm zoned in. I'm a one-track man. One track. Oregon Ducks, Washington State Cougars. That was, a great, that was a great game. Did anybody watch that game? Just me and a, a few, but it was a great game. Okay, today should be a good game too with the Seahawks beating the opposition. All right. So Moses sees this bush from a distance, and he goes after it. Look at Exodus 3.3. 3. Moses said to himself, this is amazing. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. Here's a principle that you need to hear. When God sees you coming closer to take a look, he will call your, your name. He'll call you by name. He'll call you from the fire. And he'll say, Doug, Doug. He'll say, Jin, Jin, Jimmy, Jimmy. Uh, Jin, Jin, Jimmy, Jimmy. Jess, Jess. 
Ronnie, Ronnie, Pinky, Pinky, Mikey, Mikey, Vicky, Vicky, whatever. I'm just saying, he'll call your name. Uh, Sari, Sari. Guess that's kind of scary, but anyway. God calls us from a fire. He's a consuming fire. The Holy Spirit is burning. By the way, listen, I don't know about you, but when I was dating Lois, there were times when she pursued me, even though she doesn't like to admit it. And I loved it when she pursued me because I was tired of always being the pursuer. I just want you to know God loves it when you pursue him. And that's why in January, we are going to go to a 21-day fast, 21 days of pursuing after God. We're going to go after the fire of his presence and tell him we love him. All right, here's number two. Number two is this. Replace your who am I with who is with me. Look at this verse. Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? See, when God called him, the first thing he did was look at his own inabilities, like all of us. I want you to know that it's not about you. It's about who's with you. Look at verse 12. He says, God said to him, but I'll be with you. Whatever God is calling you to do, and I'm believing for God to personalize this message to you, to you today, I want you to lean in for a moment and listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you today. I need you to lean in and just say, God, what are you calling me to do that I feel unqualified for? Listen, I get it. Do you know my life has been filled full of what ifs? What if nobody comes to the church? What if we run out of money? What if they take the building back? It's what if, what if, what if. And I'm telling you, whenever you answer the call to God, there's always going to be a long list of what ifs. But it's not about me. It's who's with me. You've got to reverse it. Who's with you? So in Exodus 3.14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, you shall tell the children of Israel, I am, tell the children of Israel this, I am has sent me to you. Now, I, I just want us to, to see this. Who is with you makes all the difference. Here's number three. Replacing the negative with uh, the negative what if with what if God. What if God? See, I, I want you to get this with all your hearts. What if God has singers Skilled singers, skilled musicians. What if God has people who can teach the word of God? What if God has people who love children, but you don't allow yourself to be enlarged? But I'm telling you, if you will allow God to move your tent pegs, I couldn't find any small ones, so I just have big ones. But I believe that God wants to take us from this and he wants us to go over here and over here and back there and back there see most of you came in today looking like this maybe flat how in the world could God ever use me but when you pull up your tent stake and you allow God to begin to mess with your life remove your dis or put you in discomfort take away the safetyness here's what God does turns you into that. And how many know that looks a lot better than this? 
And as we talk about enlargement, you're going to see in the next couple of weeks what enlargement looks like. But I just want you to know, how many know more can fit in this than in this? So God says, what if? What if I get involved in your life? What if I've taken you and I do miracles through your life and people get saved through your life and singers and musicians and business people and and homeless people. I don't care who they come in because you allow God to enlarge your life for something greater. I believe with all my heart that the best years are ahead of us. The best. I believe the Holy Spirit has already gone before us to prepare the people who are supposed to come in to that tent All we have to do is do our part. So, did I give you number four yet? How many want number four? Okay, you asked for it. Replace your send someone else to here am I, send me. After all the miracle, miraculous encounters that Moses still, uh, uh, Moses had, Moses still said this in Exodus 4.12. Now go. I will be with you. This is God. I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send someone else. And I'm here today. Don't end your life with you telling God, send someone else. I don't want to look like an idiot. I don't want to do the crazy things. I'm telling you, when you do it and step out, miracles happen. All right, let's stand. I don't have any more time. Here's the last verse that I want to give you. Say to God today, here I am in all my brokenness. Here I am in all my dysfunction. Here I am in all my weakness. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. See, the prophecy in Isaiah, it ends with this verse in verse 4. Don't be afraid. You're not going to be put to shame. Don't hold back. You're not going to come up short. It's a great word. You know what I need from you today? This is what I need from you. I need you to say today, God, I surrender. I give you my yes. Take me. Enlarge me. Do what you need to do. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't know how you walked in here today. Maybe you walked in flat. Maybe you walked in with a little tent. Maybe you walked in and said, you know, I just, me, my wife, Jesus, and a friend, us four, and no more. And God's saying, no, there's much more. But it all starts with a relationship with him. If you don't know Jesus, today's your day. You know the Holy Spirit's been talking to you. You know he's been saying to you, I want to give you the purpose that I have for your life. It all starts with coming to know him. So if you've been having that, that drawing and you know it's you, it's time to give your life to Christ or come back to him, raise your hand right now. Say, that's me. I need to give my life to Christ. Raise them high so I can see him. I see one. I see two. I see three. Anyone else? Raise it high so I can see it. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Okay. Four. I see it. Thank you. Okay, let's all say this prayer together. We say it by faith. Say this with me. Father God, thank you for loving me so much that you sent your son, Jesus, to die in my place. I ask you, Jesus, 
to forgive me all my sins. Come into my life. Be my Savior, my Lord, my boss, my friend, and my King. And by your grace and by your power, I will serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, if we can have altar workers come on up, and let's sing this song as we close today. I think it's called, I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to say victory. Let's sing it. Come on.